I would invite you to turn in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. I just want to look at one verse. This is not my norm. Uh, I'm normally moved through a book, but uh, just uh, during this time, I want to just draw some attention to uh, the, the topic of spiritual warfare. And it's something I think that we need to, to grasp. I think that we need to, to have a, a firm grip on as believers. And uh, so I want to spend two or three weeks on this subject. Um, so we looked at Isaiah last week, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10 last week, and we look at Ezekiel today. Just, a, just one little verse here to to help us to to get a glimpse into this spiritual realm. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 17 says, Your heart was lofty because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just pray that as we look at this passage that we may glean what is here may it be beneficial to us may it feed us spiritually uh, and inform our minds lord so that we are not confused and not fearful in this world that is just a world of confusion that we have today lord uh, give us give us a boldness that's rooted in truth the truth of your word and we pray these things in jesus name amen Every team has to be distinct in some way. You have to separate yourself from the other team, whether it's in the military, if it's a, if it's a, a nation, or if it's a football game, or uh, even a corporation has distinction, it's, its own logo, its own phrases, its own emphasis, the things that it emphasizes. Even, um, even our family reunions sometimes... Uh, we had a family reunion, the Reinhardt reunion. Uh, we had T-shirts made up. I hated it. That's just what we did. There has to be a distinction between the teams, right? So you know what side you're on and what side you're opposing. Whether it's uh, and there's colors usually involved. It's just the easiest way. We we play capture the flag, or you had two different colored flags, or you had you have. Uh, touch football or flag football and you grab there would be a red or blue team there has to be some distinctions right and it's usually by color usually a color of a a jersey a a hat uh, uh, maybe a full uniform we're going to watch football today we watched football last night It was a great game with west virginia winning but the two teams had two different colors and it was easier to tell which team was which and the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. It just is. Um, we have to know those distinctions. And John made it clear for us in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. He says this. This is the message that we have heard, that you, we have, you, uh, that we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not tell the truth. Do not do the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. We're all wearing the same jersey. We're all wearing the same uniform as, as God in the light. And, and that just brings us all together. There's fellowship within the team. And you see two different groups here. The, the light, uh, a brightness of the light, and then darkness. Two distinctions there. And we understand that. We've... That's nothing new for us. We are either on God's side. We see God on His side with His believers, His family, or Satan and those who are under His influence. And that's the dark side, you might say. They share uniforms. And Christ said, remember in His teaching, that you are the light of the world. And we are moving forth into the world according to the teachings of Christ. We're moving forth into the world, dispelling the darkness as we go with the truth of the, of the light, the light of the truth and, and moral uh, light as, as well. So you have light and you have darkness, we might say, the dark side. We've used that term before. Now that raises a question, what, what distinguishes Walking in the light and versus walking in the darkness. What is it to walk in darkness? Is it is it the cartoonish version of of Satan? Is it is it the the Halloween kind of motif that we would see of witches and skeletons and haunted houses and coffins and and ghosts? Or maybe it's the apocalypse. Maybe it's the the. The bringing the world to an end with zombies and the distinction that way. What is the, the dark side? How do we know if we're following God or how do we know the distinctions of Satan? Now he, he, he can be an angel of light. Uh, we've been told that in Scripture. So what marks out evil and good? And it's, it's, it can be confusing in our day, but we need to know that distinction. And how can we know if we're on God's side or if we're following, being led by the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world? Are we under his colors, his distinction or God's distinction? And we have a world now that's, that's kind of drifting into the spiritual realm. And it's kind of a new thing because uh, in the, the modern era that we have been in, uh, which much of it is rooted in evolutionary thinking, they've denied the existence of God. They've denied the whole spiritual realm anyway. And, and uh, so they see the spiritual realm as just a, a crutch for us believers who would believe in this spiritual realm. It's just a crutch for us to depend upon. But there, there's... Uh, in the material realm, there's nothing else than just the material realm. That's all that exists, just this material realm. That's the only thing uh, that they can uh, explain. Things that can be measured. Things that can be scientifically proven. Uh, in the physical realm, the, the whole spiritual realm is just made up. And it's in our head. It doesn't exist. And what's happened is the world... That's left the world empty because the world knows, okay, there's, there's more to life than just this physical world. More to life than just what evolution can, can explain and, and can produce. And people sense that. And so now there's, there's a little disillusion and it's kind of entered in, we've entered into a postmodern world 
that's that's rediscovering, if you will, being reawakened to the spiritual realm. Now, don't get too excited. It's spiritual, but it's not Christian. It's just spiritual. And they're they're moving into a, a direction that uh, they're they're intrigued by what's what could be out there. Um, and they're not prepared for that. They have no idea. And they're very vulnerable, and it's a dangerous thing. Just that intrigue, just being intrigued by that, and pursuing spirituality without knowing the concrete teaching of Scripture. Um, having no way to rightly interpret what they will experience. They just don't, they don't have that. It's just not there. And what will happen is they will, it will devolve down into darkness. It will. It just continues to go into mysticism or animism. We, we know the cultures of the world, that's, that's the way it goes. Superstitions, speculations, delusions, fantasies, mating, made things up in their own mind. Uh, Paul calls them uh, vain imaginations. And that leads to fear. And that will grip a society. And, and Satan can easily control a society that's just gripped by fear. And uh, be under Satan's control. And ultimately we will be um, worshipping the creature rather than the creator. And that leads actually then to a surge. What we see today is a surge of, of interest in the supernatural. The, the, the UFOs, the extraterrestrials, the Bigfoots and the aliens and haunted houses and that kind of thing. And it's big business, folks. You, you see this on TV. It's... Uh, these TV shows. Um, right now, I, I just uh, doing some uh, search on this, and right now, Halloween is an eight billion dollar a year industry. Eight billion dollars a year, and they said that every year there's more and more investors investing more in in Halloween. It was the second or third, I think it's the third most celebrated holiday now in America. And that can cause, so we have a world going in that direction, and that can cause believers to, to be drawn into the speculation, the, the, the spooky, the, the, um, uh, just the, the, the what if. What if this were true? What if that were true? And, and we kind of move in that direction. But Christians, this shouldn't be shocking to us. We know that there's a spiritual realm. That's, that's not new. That's not new to us. There's no question. We we know that realm. In fact, we're prepared well to answer the, the world's questions about this. And this is our strong suit. More, more than anything else. More than really even the material world. We know this. This is not spooky to us. Um, but what you find is Christians playing this same game. It's the vain imaginations moving down into to realms in which they, they really they pretend like they don't know what is going on. But if you're a true believer and you know the word of God, this isn't shocking. We need to think concretely about these things. We, we need to think critically in this spiritual realm because we have answers. We know what the Bible says and the Bible is very clear on these things. And this is our anchor. In a world that's just gone completely 
uh, in the wrong direction, we have an anchor. We can know. We can stand with absolute authority based upon the word of God that uh, on truth, things that are true. Now, in this passage that I just read for you, this one little verse, we see a, a description of Satan at the very beginning. This is the, the very beginning of what we would say is the, the dark side. Satan and the dark side, if we want to call it that. And it takes place in Satan's heart, probably at the, the first week of creation, probably toward the end of that week that he was created, sometime between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. These things happen. This chapter starts with a lament, a a dirge, you might say, uh, concerning the the king of Tyre. We don't know where that was, but some people speculate uh, that it was um, King Nebuchadnezzar, but we we really don't know that. But what theologians do mostly agree upon is, is that this is the force you might say, or the thinking, the motivation, the power behind the king of Tyre. And that's Satan himself. Because Satan had the same kind of thinking. It's the same colors, the same kind of uniform. And we see a consistency here. From the very beginning of Satan's becoming Satan, if you will, Satan moving into the realm of darkness, we see these same colors. And I want you to to see these because as Christians, we need to be able to identify, distinctly identify, the, the distinctive marks of God's enemy. He is our enemy. We need to know that. We need to know our enemy. If not, we're going to follow the world down into confusion. We're going to follow the world down into just fearfulness, speculation, and, and that whole realm. Now, last week we, we left off with the question, just a kind of a general question of, of what, what is Satan like? And we kind of uh, just kind of introduced that whole spiritual realm. Um, we, we will look at today, we're going to look at Satan's beginning. We'll look at Satan's, the names of Satan, his character and what he does. We're going to pull that together so we can understand Satan uh, more concretely. Um, so last week we saw Satan. And the first question that we looked at is where did Satan come from and what is he like? And I want to just briefly go through that with you. First of all, we saw that he was a created being. From the very beginning, uh, I mean, he had a beginning and his source was God. God created him and God has a purpose for Satan. Now, for us, we just have to know that we we don't overestimate Satan. He's not God. We we don't elevate him to the and that's a danger. Elevate him to, to almost deity status. But he is not sovereign. He is not omniscient. He is not all-powerful. He can't read your thoughts. He can't read your mind. He can plant things and ideas into our mind. But he is not sovereign. He is not... We, can, we should not overestimate Satan. He is just a created being. Number two, is a spiritual being. So remember that. He's a spiritual being. He doesn't have flesh and bones like we do. So he's not limited to this physical realm... Now, he can take on the form of, of a body at times. We, we've seen that. But that's not his norm. Now, for us, just by way of application, we don't limit Satan. He was created being, but we don't limit him. 
We can't capture him in a box. He is in the spiritual realm. Um, but we can't ban him from our house. How can, I mean, he just go through walls. I mean, what, what's the spiritual realm have to do with the physical realm? Nothing. He has no limits. God hasn't banned him yet. And that kind of thinking just adds to the spookiness of, of the Halloween vision of spirituality. Number three is he is an evil spirit. He is an evil being. He was created as a spiritual being, but he was created pure and by way of sin. We'll look at this verse today. He became corrupt. He is corrupt at his very nature and he was evil. So we, we don't overestimate uh, Satan, but we don't underestimate him either. He has power. He has persuasive power. He has the ability to persuade one third of the, the uh, angels to, to fight against God. So he has persuasive power. Plus, he is a, appears as an angel of light. There's danger in that. He is armed and dangerous. So don't under don't uh, underestimate him. And we have to be armed, right? That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter six. Number four, he's he's a mobile being. He can stand before God and give an account for God to his actions of that day, and then he can traverse down to the nations and lie to the nations. He can, he can be in the school system. He can be in the governments. He can be in the families. He can be in the churches. He can traverse that whole space. He's a very mobile person. And applying that today, we, we can't hide from Him. We, 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 don't, we can't hide from Him. God has not banned Him yet. Uh, he is, uh, he's not scared of us. We can't just... You know, I know that the popular movie is ban him from our prayer closet. No, you can't get in here, Satan. Well, let me tell you, he can. And he's not afraid of you. So, there's no place that is exempt from Satan's presence. Number five is that he's an accountable being. He's an accountable being. He's responsible before God. He is God's Satan. God created him. He created him for a purpose. And he is under God's control. He has to ask permission from God to do the things that he, he does. He has to, he has to, he's the power. He's the, he's the generating force, but, but he is under God's control. So ultimately, you know what? He, he loses. We win. We're on the winning side as a believer of Jesus Christ. Now, that was last week. Look at this verse, because I want you to see there's three distinguishing marks from Satan, about Satan, right as in, in his inception. Like, like colors on a flag, Satan has these three distinguishing colors, if you will, that, that are part of his uniform. Essentially, are part of everything that he does. Three distinguishing marks uh, of Satan from the very beginning. And we see this, this verse just, just takes place right in the heart of Satan, right at the beginning of creation, and we need to understand what went wrong. He was a, he was a perfect being, but what went wrong? Where did, where did this mess up? Where did he mess up? Well, verse 17, let's go back to our verse. It says, in your heart, let's just look at the first phrase, in your heart, or your heart was lofty because of your beauty. Now, stop right there. We understand that. That's a statement of pride. Your heart was lofty. The word lofty there was, um, 
was to, to make high, to, to lift up, exalt. We would say to make haughty. Uh, and basically, it's just to have more confidence than you should have, right? That, that's what was being said here. He, he is overly confident in his ability. And in the spiritual realm, Satan looks around and he sees, hey, I'm, man, I'm, I'm the most beautiful out here. I'm the most beautiful of all the, the beings. And, and we see that in, in verse 13, 12 and 13. If you go back to that, uh, that, our passage, that he was beautiful. God made him beautiful in some way. Now, I don't, I don't understand that in the spiritual realm, but somehow in the spiritual realm, Satan is, is one of the most beautiful of, of all the creatures. And he looks around and he sees his own beauty. He doesn't look at the beauty of God. And we know that God's beauty was beyond explanation. His beauty was far greater than Satan's beauty, but Satan's focus was on himself. We'll look at that. And that elevated him. In that one split second, that one thought, that one idea, sin entered his heart. It's just pride. Me. Look at me. There's a, there's a proverb in, um, that Solomon has. It's just talking about pride. He, he just, there's, he, he distinguishes out this commander among his, his soldiers and how much his chest, uh, is, sticks out and he is, uh, just, pride just fills his heart. And you can, you can kind of see that. Just, wow, look at me. And that's, that's it. Just that one little idea. This lofty thought, more confident than he should be about his own appearance. He says, because of your beauty. Now, folks, we live in a world that's confident, right? <laughs> we, are, we are overly confident in our own ability. And, and it's just the opposite of what it should be for, for created beings. Created beings, there should be a little bit of humility there. Um, Christ said, "Those who mark out, those are, who are His followers, are marked out there by their happiness or by their blessedness." In Matthew chapter five, verse three through six, He says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit; Th- those are the humble, for they shall, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle; they shall inherit the earth." And, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They, they recognize their own sinfulness. That they're, they're, they don't even match the glory of, of God. And there's a humility that's produced. And folks, that's the mark of a true believer. As opposed to Satan and his loftiness. And his pride. That's what distinguishes Satan out. Satan is the center of his, of his own universe. We, we can have confidence, folks. I'm not saying... Don't have confidence. But our confidence is in who? God. Not our own ability. It's in God. His Word. His truth. His redemption work in us. His righteousness. Not my own righteousness. Not confident in our own self. We are not the center of the universe. God is. Anything less. Anything. We puff ourselves up, folks. We become the center of our universe and we elevate ourselves above God. Even in our own mind, that is sin. And that's a mark of Satan. It's the color of Satan. 
color of Satan's flag. Number two, Satan is marked by a distorted reality. Distorted reality. Look at the second phrase here. He says, um, your heart was lifted, your, your uh, heart was lofty because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of splendor. Now, this is, if you notice, this is in poetic form in the Hebrew here. And it's, it's two phrases that, that are almost identical, but there's a little, a slight little difference here. And what the slight difference here is you corrupted because of this pride that has filled your heart, you corrupted your, your wisdom. And the word wisdom there, the word corrupted, let me just say this, is, is to ruin or to, uh, to destroy your wisdom. You, you, you corrupted your wisdom. And that's the, the skill of living life. The way you think life should be lived. You corrupted your own thinking. And that's the key. That, that marks the difference between the two phrases. Your, your, your thinking was corrupted. Your, 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 you were elevated in your pride, and that corrupted your own thinking. Um, you became the center of the universe. You thought you were right, and that twists reality. That twists reality. Everything is now convoluted. You're not a created being. You're, you're elevated even above the created. Everything's twisted. Um, and based upon that, then Satan decided to take action, right? His, his life is, uh, is going to be twisted and different from God, what God wants it to be. So he decides to take action. He thought he could win. He thought he could win over God. The passage that was read for us earlier kind of indicates that, doesn't it? Uh, the Isaiah passage where he says, uh, chapter Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, but he, you said in your heart, now this is the same description, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Notice that, that, that I will. I will rise, raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mountain of the assembly, I in the recesses of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I think I can win. That's convoluted thinking. You're a created being. But that's a mark of Satan. And so that's the way he thinks. And so what did he do? He, he declared war against God. He led a revolution, a rebellion against God. One third of the angels says, hey, I think he's got a chance. So they followed him and he was cast down to the earth, which he then orchestrates the fall of man. And he leads man into this rebellion against God as well. And that was over 6,000 years ago. And Satan still thinks that he can win. He's still trying to win. We went uh, fishing this summer. It was really a good time with the men. And uh, caught a catfish. Now, I try not to catch catfish. I just don't like them. They're just slimy. I just don't care for them. Don't care to eat them either. And uh, one of the guys caught a catfish. It was a good size. And come to clean that catfish, and that thing was still alive. Okay, We lopped off the head of that catfish... And that, the mouth of that catfish, 
no body, just the head, and the mouth was still going. I think, that's amazing to me. Folks, that's Satan. He is condemned, but he still thinks he can win. It's pathetic, it's pitiful when you think about it. But it's twisted thinking. Twisted thinking. Let me just apply this. uh, Because sin makes us stupid, right? We know that. Sin makes us dumb. We just do dumb things. Um, And so Paul says in um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, emphatically says, you need to renew your mind. Your your thinking is still in the old way of thinking. You, you, You need to change your thinking. Because so much of our time was spent thinking the way Satan had and, and our sinfulness had convinced us was right. And we have to change that thinking. We have to renew our mind. We have to have different priorities. We have to arrange uh, our uh, value system differently in our own mind. We have to think biblically. We have to think after God's thoughts after Him so that we know our thinking is correct. And, and that comes from, from God's Word. And what distinguishes Satan out is still that convoluted thinking. Wrong thinking. He thinks he can win. And, and all the other places that he lies in Scripture. So, the second mark of, of Satan uh, is that his, his distorted thinking. He lies, right? The father of lies. Number three. I see this in the passage. And I don't want us to miss this because this is, this is really good. Satan is marked out by his independence from God. Now notice, notice your heart. Notice the number of times he is the focus. Your heart was lofty because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Who's the focus there? He's the focus. He, he, was, he was the one with all the attention. It was in his own heart that, that he had focused all of this attention on. The heart being the, the, the innermost part of the, the being, uh, where, where the the location of the thoughts and the intents, the will, the, the volition, the emotions, where the knowledge is restored, re- retained. And Satan's focus was not on his Creator, but on himself and his independence from God. I'm going to do this. Independence from God. So pride, twisted thinking, and then just independent. I think I can live without God. That's convoluted strange thinking but again he says i will do this i will do that i'm going to rise above the throne of god my will be done not god's will be done he didn't think that he he didn't he didn't look at the creator he didn't look at the creator and say well obviously i'm created here Lord, what would you have me do? No, he, he says, here's my life. Here's what I want to do. Pride enters his heart. He becomes independent of God. As independent as, as he can be. God could just alleviate him, eliminate him at any, at any point. Every once in a while you'll see on Facebook this cartoon crop up. A guy's 
climbed a tree and he's sawing off this branch. But it's the branch that he's he's sitting on. That's what that's what Satan's doing. He he's sawing off. He's trying to be independent from God, from the very God that created him and sustains him. It, it just it can't be done. You, you can't. There's really no way. Now, folks, that's our world, isn't it? Our world is so dependent upon God for the rain, for the oxygen that we have, for the uh, the, the trees. Really, the whole globe is under God's control. We do, and He sustains us by this thing. And yet, we're trying to become independent of Him. It's convoluted thinking, but I mean, that's, that's the way it is. Independent. We, we will do what we want to do the way we want to do it. And that's a mark of Satan. It's the mark of Satan. It reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 3, where uh, Paul told Timothy, he says, For man will be, will be, so this is a future tense, he, he says, this is, this is what's going to come, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, Treacherous, reckless, deceit, deceited, um, are conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness. Now you read that and you think, how in the world can there be a form of godliness in any of that? Because all of it's just independent of God. Independent of God. Although they have denied its power. They hold a form of godliness, have denied its power. Folks, that's Satan's uniform. That's the colors on, on Satan's helmet, his uniform, down to his socks. That's Satan. Independence, independence from God. His, his whole being was corrupted. He didn't just do a, a bad thing. Oh, ah, sorry God, I had that thought. Uh, forgive me of that and, and, I'll, and, and things will be corrected. No, he was corrupt down to his very being. His whole uh, value system was now lofty. It was pride altered from what it should be. His thinking was distorted now from the truth. His dependence is not upon God anymore, but he's seeking to become independent of God, establish his own creation. Who knows what he's wanting to do. His whole focus was off, but his whole being is corrupted. His whole being is corrupted. It wasn't just he did a bad thing. No, the, the whole being was corrupted. Folks, that's, that's the way sin works, isn't it? That's the way sin works in, in every one of us. And, and the battle lines are drawn then. You have darkness. You have a rearranged value system. Uh, loving what God hates and hating what God loves. Just opposite of what God would have twisted the truth, false teaching, and then you have no faith, complete independence of God, no faith in God. And folks, that's just deceit. That's that's Satan. That's Satan in a nutshell, right there. Those three things. Those are the colors of his flag. If he had a flag, American flag has three colors. He has three colors on his flag. Those things distinguish Satan out uh, concretely. This is this is Satan. Pride, pride, where there should be humility, uh, falsehood, where there should be truth, and independence, where there should be trust or dependence and faith in God. 
Now, let's wrap this up. Because our colors are just the opposite, isn't it? Our colors are just the opposite. What do we, what do we value in Christianity? What kind of uniform do we have on? We, instead of, instead of pride, we have humility. We're clothed with humility. That's, that's what the, the true believer is like. We, we value a love for God. We love Him. Over our own selves, we would value Him. That's our value system. We love Him. Number two, what marks out a believer? Not falsehood, not lies, but truth, right? Truth. We just hold tenaciously to the truth. We, we love the truth. We pursue the truth. It becomes the very uh, sustaining part of our souls. The Word of God. Truth. And just the opposite of, just the opposite of the false teaching that we have today. And then, and then marks of a believer just the opposite of Satan and, and that's dependence upon God. Not independence upon God. It's, I must decrease and He must increase. Lord, give me the faith to trust You more. That's the cry for the believer. That's the flag that we fly. And folks, there, there should be no difference. Or, I mean, they, I'm sorry, there should be a strong difference between us and the world. The, the fundamental differences right there at the very heart of who we are. The flags that we fly, the uniform that we wear is one of love for God and humility and truth and God's Word and dependence upon God. What happened to Satan? Look back at our verse. Look back at our verse in verse 17. I cast you to the ground. This is what has happened. This is what happened to Satan. I cast you to the ground. And no longer you're going to be serving, guarding the throne of God. You're cast to the ground. Your splendor is not going to be seen up there anymore. It's going to be thrown to the ground. And I put you before kings that they may see you. It's probably nothing more humiliating in the spiritual realm to be lowered to the status of humans. Especially to be seen by humans. To be mocked by humans. But that's that's Satan's plight. That's Satan's plight. Satan wanted to be seen. He wanted to show off his beauty. And God says, okay, you want to do that? I'll throw you down. And they can see your glory. And there's really no glory. He's destructive. Everything that he tries. Now, folks, for us, just by way of application, we'll wrap this up. There's... Nothing more like Satan than full of self, pride. Nothing more like Satan to wear his colors, full of pride, elevating of self. There's nothing more like Satan than than distorting the truth. I mean, that's that's what Satan does. This is what Satan does best. And there's nothing more like Satan than seeking independence from God. Those are Satan's colors. Those are flying Satan's flag. That's what Satan is like. That's the epitome 
of Satan. But we, on the other hand, we're broken before God. We're created beings. There's a humility within the believer. We hold to truth, the thinking of God's thoughts after Him. And then we, we live a life that's completely dependent upon Him. We live a life of faith. We don't seek independence from God, but more dependence upon God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for just this small little verse. But Lord, it gives us insight, so much insight into the human heart. And from the heart of Satan, it's just the same. Lord, we, that's our tendency is to elevate ourselves, to become independent from you, to, to, to twist things and create our own reality with ourselves at the, at the center of the universe. Lord, help us to be careful. Be careful not to do that. Not to fly the flag, the colors of, that Satan is. Lord, help us be distinct in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.